We're going to continue on in the series of sermons that we've been doing called The Kingdom, and uh, we have been speaking about this message for a few weeks. Uh, Pastor Chaz did a fantastic job yesterday, uh, speaking yesterday, last week. Uh, see, I got the, the 24-7 church thing in my mind here, right? Uh, Pastor Chaz did a wonderful job of talking about the kingdom and seeking first the kingdom of God and all others shall be added to you. That was uh, and I, may, I love that verse, and I love uh, what he did with that last week, and I hope you're blessed by that, because I certainly was, so thank you. Um, today, we're going to talk about what it means to be a servant. Now, I know everyone's like, oh, great, I don't like the word servant. Today, the word servant, we're going to talk about this, but the word servant doesn't get a lot of notoriety today. It's actually a forbidden word that many people uh, understand, but it is an important word when we talk about the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 42 through 45. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servants. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, shortly before this verse, there's an amazing interaction going on. I'm going to turn there to my actual Bible, which means you're all going to see me pick up my glasses so I can read. Mark chapter 10. If you read before this verse, we see a few things going on here. We see the story of the rich young man, and we understand what has happened there. The rich young man comes to Jesus and says, how shall I come into the gates of heaven? How shall I go there? And Jesus tells him, and he goes away disappointed. We also see that Jesus foretells his death and how his death is going to be coming and what's going to happen. But then we find this very interesting discussion between James and John. Now, I wasn't originally going to share this, but I think it's important for us to share this. Now, when you read this interaction between James and John, it's interesting in their language. Verse uh, 35, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now, let's just pause here. I want to tell you, man, these guys had some guts, right? Here's Jesus doing all these miracles, and, and he's supposed to be their teacher, their rabbi, the one to teach them everything, and they have the guts to come and say, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Now, I think that's crazy, but let's pause for a moment and think about how many times do we go to Jesus and think that Jesus should do exactly what we want him to do? How many times are our prayers exactly like James and John? We don't consider who Jesus is. We don't consider that he's, his way might be better than ours. His will might be greater than ours. It might be better for us. Instead, we don't even consider that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We just go to him and say, this is what I want. 
Do it for me. And when he doesn't do it for us, guess what? We get angry and we get mad. It's interesting that Jesus responds. Now, if I was Jesus, thankfully I'm not. Because if I was, I'd be answering this a little bit different. Jesus says, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Do you understand? Jesus didn't reprimand them. Jesus knows what James and John is going to ask. He knows, they know. He doesn't, there's no question. He knows exactly what they're going to ask, but he wants them to repeat to him what they want. And so his response, or their response was, they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left, in your glory, Jesus said to them. You do not know what you are asking, or you are able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized. And they said to him, we are able. Now, I share that with you before we get into this next verse, because we have to understand what's going on here. James and John is not respecting Jesus and the kingdom that he is. They're wanting something. They want to be considered the greatest servants. Understanding that when you go into this time, this Jewish, uh, this this time in this the Jewish way was that the person of honor would be set at a table at the front of the table at the beginning of the table, and then the one sitting on the right and the one sitting on the left were the distinguished honored guests. The person of honor, the greatest honor, gets that position, the head of the table. And then the ones right next to him get the, are the distinguished, the second best, if you will, if you want to say that. And so James and John, what they're asking is not simply do they want you, they want to be considered amongst all of their peers and everyone else the greatest that has ever served beside Jesus. That's in essence what they're asking for. Jesus' answer to, <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a good scream. <laughs> Jesus' answer to that is that you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. No, he doesn't say that, but uh, that comes later in the movie, right? <laughs> what he says to them is that you can't handle the, the cup that I'm going to drink. You can't handle all these things. But what he does, and then he repeats later on in this verse, he says, for even the Son of Man came to be served. What he's saying to the disciples at this time is that I didn't come to be the greatest. I came to be a servant. And he reminds James and John and the disciples that are with him that they are called to be servants as well. They're not called to get the head position at the table. They're not called to be the greatest. They're not called to, doesn't, listen, it's okay to receive honor. It's nice to receive an honor every once in a while, to receive appreciation. That's really nice. We all want to receive this appreciation or that type of appreciation. But at the end of the day, it's what we think about in our mind. James and John were thinking they were greater than everyone else, and so what Jesus was trying to do was knock them down a few pegs, if you will, without reprimanding them, without coming out and saying, oh, you guys are nuts. Get out of my face, right? I'll show you who's better. I'll show you who's the greatest. Jesus does this over and over and over again. You see this happening with Peter. What does Peter do? Peter says that I will never forsake you, Jesus. I will never turn my back on you. And then Jesus looks at him and says, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And he does. We find this over and over and over again in scripture, that Jesus is coming and he's trying to he's trying to knock us, if you will, off our pedestal. Not that we ever don't deserve to be on a pedestal, but he's trying to get us to think that we are 
your servant instead of that we are grace. One of my favorite Bible verses. That the first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? It's a joke uh, playing cards this bad on Friday. Uh, uh, I forget who it was. It was Bonnie. It was Bonnie, right? Yes, that's right. Bonnie won uh, on, on the uh, fact that we're here doing Christian rules that the first shall be last. The last shall be first, so uh, bottom one. Uh, <laughs> and so that means take one too, right? <laughs> now, but the truth of the matter is that oftentimes we consider ourselves greater than what we really are. We have this way of, of puffing ourselves up and making ourselves this great. Look how great I am. We strut in and we walk with this nice little our chest puffed out, and we think about how awesome we are. The reality of it is, is that Jesus came. Jesus, you know, Jesus could have come in all power. He could have come with an army of, of angels. He could have, he could have came and conquered. No, no one was so faster at turning that light. That's weird. I'm sorry. I rebuked you. Whatever that's what I I can go back on track now. <laughs> Jesus could have come in all power. He could have come in a military might. He could have come as the great general who was coming to overthrow the world. He could have done that. But what did he do? Instead, he came to overthrow the world. Not by power, not by military power. He came to overthrow the power of becoming a servant. You understand? He turned the whole idea of all of this upside down. He went from the general who was going to conquer and overthrow everything to the person who was going to conquer and overthrow everything by becoming a servant. A servant to you and I, the greatest, the king of kings, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the, the greatest thing that ever happened, the creator of this earth, came to be our servant on this earth. And yet, we have the right, or we have the, the audacity to stand here and say, I need this from you, Lord. I want this. And I want it to go exactly the way I want it to go. And I want to be the best. I want to sit at your right hand, or I want to sit at your left hand. I want you to bless me over and over and over again. And I want all of these things. Instead, Jesus called us to be a servant. We know that those who are considered rulers, Gentile, Gentile, rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So we have to start with the understanding that we are called to be servants. You and I in this place are called to be servants. Our greatest example of who we should be like is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the greatest servant that ever lived. We are called to be Christ-like Christians. That's what the word Christian means, being Christ-like. If we are going to be true Christians, that means we have to learn to be servants in his kingdom. The most wonderful thing of all is that our king became a servant for us to be part of his kingdom. Do you understand that? The only way that we can be part of Jesus' kingdom and part of the kingdom here on this earth, in his kingdom, was for Jesus to come down, give up his royalty, give up his kingdom, his king, rightly kingship, and come down to this earth and give all of that up so and become our servant so that we can be part of that kingdom. 
Never before and never again has there been a king that gave up everything that they had on their throne and all of their throne and all of their kingdom to become a servant in his own kingdom so that his other servants, his other people of his kingdom could become part of that kingdom. Never has it ever happened. Jesus calls us to be servants. He calls us to be like him. If we are going to truly live in the kingdom, then we have to understand that we are servants. Do you understand that? I mean, this is, this is, this is not, we have this issue of thinking, we live in a, we live in a democratic society, we do, uh, I think. Uh, so, uh, but we live in a society where we get to vote on those types of things, and that's great. That's awesome. I'm thankful that we live in a country that we live in, like the United States, where we have those freedoms. And the people who fought for us to have those freedoms. I'm so appreciative of all that. But sometimes, I think that clouds our judgment in terms of what we give with Christ. We try to take the same concept of what we have in our political nature and we apply it to our Christian life, meaning that we have a vote in this process. We do. You have a free will. You have a choice to follow Jesus. But ultimately, the best way, the best way to become a, a good kingdom Christian is to give up all of your rights and become a servant to Jesus Christ. No one likes to hear that word. Why? Because the word servant is not a popular word today. A person who performs servant, the definition, a person who performs duties for others, a devoted and helpful follower or supporter. Servant is a translation of the Greek word doulos, which means more literally a slave or bond servant, someone who gets a who sets aside all rights of his own to serve another. Do you understand this concept? Like when Jesus calls us to be a servant, when he's calling us to be a servant to this world, what he's calling us is that we should forego our own rights to lift up another. Now, does that mean that we allow someone to trample upon us? No, it does not. But what it means is that when we're sitting at home and our neighbor wants to have a conversation with us about our faith, and we're like, all I want to do is watch some TV and just relax. Guess what? We're a true servant of God's kingdom. We should be willing to give up that. When we have an opportunity to serve our community and we're arguing in our, in our own mind, do I do this or do I do that? Well, you know, if I get to serve the community or I can go do what I want to do, right? Being a servant means that you give that up and you go serve the community. You serve the people for Christ. That is what being a servant means. It means we are going to perform the duties of others to help them, to support them, to lift them up. This word servant often is used a lot in terms of someone in a position of power over another person. Today's In today's political uh culture that we live in, that word servant is, an off, is really a bad word. It's not used. It's not PC, politically correct. But I'm here to tell you I've never been really politically correct when it comes to Christ. So I'm telling you, become a servant of Christ. The best way that you can grow in your faith in Jesus Christ is for you to forgo everything that you have inside of you and take what he has and bring it into your heart and live for him. The world does not think highly of servants. A servant is to be in the lowest of positions. No one boasts of being a servant. You don't walk around and go, guess what? I'm a servant in this time. I love it. Okay? 
That's what Chad says. <laughs> <laughs> no one walks around boasting about being a servant. We don't like that. Why? Because our culture says it's wrong. And so when we think about being a servant in Jesus Christ, a servant in Christ's kingdom, we think about all of these things. It is why oftentimes we find Christians complaining about all the things they have to give up to become a Christ, to be a Christ, a Christian. How many times have you had a conversation with someone and said, I don't know if I can become a Christian because I'm going to have to give up all of the fun things I do, right? How many times do you hear people complaining about all of the things they have to let go instead of all of the things they get? See, what they misunderstand is that being in a kingdom means that you get the blessings of being in that kingdom. And there are huge blessings that come of being part of Christ's kingdom. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the question that we rightly have to answer is, if we are crucified with Christ, which that means if you are a Christian, that means you are crucified with Christ. Christ was crucified on that cross, not for himself. There's no sins that he did. He was crucified on that cross for all of our sins. And so when he was crucified on that cross, he took our sins and us and crucified them on that cross so that you could all be forgiven. It is the payment, if you will, of him deciding that this is what I need to do to make sure that you all can be part of my kingdom, that you can all be with me. Now, we've talked about the kingdom before being up in heaven, or we've talked about the kingdom of God being here. We know, hopefully by now, you know, that the kingdom of God is here now. And so for us to be part of the kingdom of God, we have to understand that we are crucified with Christ on that cross. And because of that cross, we have entrance into kingdom. That is the salvation that we talked about a few weeks ago. When you are saved, when you ask the Lord into your heart, you are accepting that he was crucified on the cross, and that so were your sins. And so now you're part of that kingdom. So what do I do now that I'm part of that kingdom? Here I am in the kingdom of God. What do I do? The biggest mistake that we make is that we either think we should wait until we die, go to heaven, and then we'll have some type of activity. See, the problem with this is we have a lot of Christians who are entered, who should be entering into the kingdom of God as servants, but instead they're trying to enter into the kingdom of God in their own will, in their own way, to control and demand that they want what they want. So what does it really mean to servants in the kingdom of God. A servant of Christ knows he is the king. Do you know that Jesus is the king of the kingdom that you are in? That is the very first thing you have to do. To enter into any kingdom over the course of history, you had to <laughs> admit or submit, is a better word, that that person was king over that area that you were going into. Oftentimes, before they traveled through kingdoms, they would send a letter to those kings and say, I am going to make a journey. I'm making a journey to this land, and because I'm going on this journey, I will be coming through your kingdom. Can I have the freedom to move freely through your kingdom to get to where I need to go? Sometimes they would honor that, and sometimes they would not. And if they did not, guess what? You went the long way. You went around those kingdoms. Why? Because the king said you could not pass through their country. And so for us as Christians, we have to first know that Jesus is king. And a servant of Christ is one who has voluntarily set aside his or her personal rights in order to love, serve, and obey the will of God in Christ Jesus. So if Jesus Christ is the king, 
that it is our job to enter into his kingdom and, and willingly give up all of our rights for him. And say, I will set aside who I am to receive who I am in you. Why would you do that? Why not? Is really the question. The problem with this is that we think by setting aside all that we are, we get some lesser version. We become the servant who is kicked upon or thrown dirt on or have to go out and pull weeds from a field or whatever those things are, right? Whatever your idea of a servant is. But in true reality is that when we set aside who we are and we take on who Jesus Christ is, it's the best version of us that we could ever have. And so by becoming a servant, we become a much better version of ourselves than we ever would have been by trying to be the best or the king ourselves. It doesn't make sense in this nature. In our, hum in our human minds, we can't grasp the ways of Jesus. But he turns everything upside down. He takes what we think should be the way and he turns it upside down. In essence, what we are setting aside, what we think is best for us, and instead accepting what he has for us. We are saying that your ways are better than mine and I am here to live out your commands and ways. The biggest one, I believe, one of the biggest problems we have in Christianity today is that we have a lack of servants who are willing to give up their rights, willing to give up the things that they have for his things, to receive what he has for us. We need to be willing to do that and walk in that way. In addition to all of this, when we ask questions, how do I... How do I become a servant? What is it like to become a servant? Who can show me what it would be like a servant? That's Jesus Christ. He was the greatest model of a servant to, in this earth. And it begins to understand, when you understand that you're called to be a servant in Christ, you begin to understand that Scripture can open up in a new way. Now we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the coming weeks, but the reality of this is, is this. I've always had an issue with the verse... Someone slaps you in the cheek, turns to the other one. That's always not set right with me. And I've always had this difficulty, this butting of heads, if you will. Because I'm thinking, if someone slaps me, I'm going to throw a punch them. Right? If someone slaps me, guess what? You better be running away because my back hand's coming back around. That's what was always on my mind. And when I think about this, and I have this verse, I'm like, why would Jesus tell me to turn the other cheek? Why? Because they're called to be served. He wasn't telling us to take abuse from someone. Now listen, if you're in an abusive situation or relationship, please do not stay there. Get out of that relationship immediately because that's not what God wants for you. Walk away from it and get help that you need. But what I'm saying is that in this way, this was Jesus' way of saying become a servant. Be willing to sacrifice the slap and the little tingling and the, the pain that might come from having your cheek slapped and turn it all the way. Why? Because what are we doing? We're becoming a servant of his in this world. Who cares if someone slaps you? I used to say to my wife, if they slap this cheek, I'll turn the other cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem with turning my own servant. That's not right. I'm trying to be a servant, not come on. The truth of the matter is though, when we understand that we are called to be servants in Christ's kingdom, these things begin to open up to us and we begin to understand these things. Why is the last always the first? Well, the, because in Jesus' world, the last is the servant. 
You've given up everything you can. Bonnie gave us really good cards, so she could be lasting cards on Friday. <laughs> Isn't that right, Bonnie? She was sacrificing her winnings for all the rest of us so that she could. But, yes. But we have to understand that all of these verses begin to understand when you become a servant. When you decide that I'm going to be a servant in God's kingdom, I'm going to ask Him for His ways. Instead of making decisions on my own, I'm going to say, Lord, what way do you want me to go? And I'm going to wait for that answer to come. Instead of just right off the bat. Should I do this? No, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I'm not going to turn my other cheek when you slap me. Okay, if you really want me to turn my other cheek, I don't want to but I will if you really want me to, Lord, right? When we ask these questions and we seek his kingdom, when we seek him as the king, he begins to answer these things to us, and he begins to show us new ways, not ways that we would be careful or understand. It is why I laugh every time. Listen, I laugh when people say, hey, the Lottery is 700 million. Are you going to go play? No. I, I, I'll go to the school and donate my money and let some kid have their lunch for a day off because that's exactly what I'm doing. But the truth of the matter is, is that why do we do this? Because that's our way. That's the human way of having things happen to us. We want the finances, we want the riches, the millions of dollars, the time I'm playing. And if you ever win, you better tithe. But that's not God's way. God's way is doesn't use, I mean, maybe he does in his own way, and he can, it's up to him. But the majority of the time, he kind of just makes a way that we would never think of. Why? Because he turns everything upside down. He doesn't do it the way that we normally see it happening. He does it in his way because his ways are better than ours. His timing is different than ours. And so his ways are much better than ours. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 through 6 says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, be careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you up high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your eating bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. This amazing verse, I'm going to jump back here. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. And when I read this, I understand that many uh, theologians, some theologians, there's a huge argument talking about whether this is for today or whether it's for the country of Israel, right? This was a proclamation of a, a promise given to the country of Israel saying that if you follow the Lord your God, this is what's going to happen. Now the problem with this is that for those that think that this isn't still active for us today, haven't read Paul or not the Paul. Because Paul repeats all of this. Ephesians 1, he repeats that. He repeats this in Galatians. He repeats this in Romans. Very similar to these things. And when we talk about this, what's happening is that the Lord your God is saying these things to us. This is a, this is a prophetic statement. 
that if you're faithful and obey the voice of the Lord your God, be careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Who wants to be listed first? I do. I want to be high above all the nations. I want those blessings. But in order to get those blessings, guess what I got to do? I got to make myself low. I got to become a servant. We can move on and ask the same question. Do I want the blessings of God to overtake me? Absolutely I do. But there's a catch in it. I hope you're reading this. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, move on to verse 2. All these blessings shall upon you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Do you understand what this verse, what Deuteronomy is telling us? That if we obey the voice of the Lord your God, if we become servants in his kingdom, then the blessings of his kingdom flow. I have never known, well, one sermon to say that, a good king will not withhold blessings from his people. There have been bad kings over the years that have terrorized his people. But good kings do not do that. Good kings bless their people, and they help them. Jesus is the greatest king of ever, and so if we learn to be a servant of his, then we should understand that these blessings will overtake us. If we obey the voice of the God, blessed shall you be in the city if we obey the voice of God. Blessed shall you be in the field if we obey the voice of God. Blessed shall you be in, your, in the fruit of your womb. Lena knows us if you obey the voice of God. Blessed are the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Do I want chicken and beef and all of that stuff in my freezer? Darn tootin' I do. I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian in this house. But I want all of those things. Why? I want those blessings. And guess what? When we follow God and we become a servant, he gives us those blessings. His us becoming a servant isn't without benefit. This is the greatest thing that I think people miss out is that becoming a follower of Jesus Christ comes with so many blessings that you'll there's nothing you'll ever remember about giving up. I don't remember one single single thing. I don't in my life that I have had to give up for the life of following Jesus Christ. I can't. I can't think of anything. Why? Because the blessings of God are so much better than anything I could ever give up. I'm sure there was something in my life I decided not to do. Go to bars. I don't really care about that. That's not me, right? I don't go around cussing people out. That's not me. I do have a little hard time turning the other cheek. I will say that. Maybe that blessing will come at another time. But this, the simple idea of all of this is that if you want to be blessed, if you want to be blessed by God, you become a servant. Because as a servant, we are entitled to blessing that others will never get. You understand that unless you enter into the kingdom of God as a servant of Jesus Christ, you will never receive these blessings that Deuteronomy is talking about. You will never receive those blessings of all of those things. This isn't prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that you, the more money you pay, the more money you get back, right? What I'm simply saying is that the more obedient you are to God by entering into the kingdom, the more blessings you will receive from him. I know this is true. This is, I, I can't tell you how it works other than God blesses us in many ways. 
It's an amazing thing, but we are so afraid of becoming a servant because we talk about, oh, I have to give up this and I have to do this, and I don't want to become a servant because a servant is a bad thing. That means I have to let go. No, we do have to let go. We have to become servants for Jesus Christ because this community needs it more than anything else. You have family members, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have people in the communities around you, your neighbors, they need to hear about Jesus Christ. They need to receive the blessings of Jesus Christ. But until we become a servant, we say, I'm giving up all that I have for you, and I'm laying it down at your feet, and I don't care about being number one. I'm not James, and I'm not John, and I don't care about that. I'm not a son of Zebedee. I just want to lay it down and say, here I am as a servant. Bless. Help me, Lord. Today, I laugh because uh, there are some that are trying to disapprove, disprove the value of the Old Testament. I had a, I, 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 I'll say this, I had one of my favorite authors, Andy Stanley, I don't know if any of you guys know him, uh, loved his writing for many years. He has recently taken on a, a new position in saying that the Old Testament is not a value today. I'm shocked, to be honest with you. I'm totally shocked. The Old Testament has amazing why? Because it's teaching us that if we are a servant of God, then there's blessings that come. Andy Stanley would tell you that, oh, you don't have to worry about that because we live under the grace of Jesus Christ. Is that true? Yes, we do live under the grace of Jesus Christ today. That's very true. But how do we know about the grace of Jesus Christ? How do we know how about living in the kingdom of Jesus Christ every single day? We know that by the Old Testament. And also, by the way, Andy Stanley, the Old Testament points to the need Jesus Christ. Without the Old Testament, it's hard to say that we need a Jesus Christ. But we have Jesus because of that. The blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 28 are the blessings that, that God brings to us as we become his servants in his kingdom. We have rights and blessings that other people will never receive because they just won't have it in his kingdom. They won't be in his kingdom. So you and I have to learn to be in the, in the kingdom of God, to grow and have this personal experience of becoming a servant, to lower ourselves and not think so highly of ourselves. Now this is a really hard thing to do. Because, after all, what are we most responsible for? Ourselves, right? But when we stop worrying about how great we are and start worrying about how great we are in Jesus Christ, we begin to learn that being a servant means that we're going to be last. And by the way, last shall be first, and the first shall be last in God's kingdom. On top of that, a servant, to be a good leader, you have to become a servant. I don't say this to boast, but even just this morning, I was vacuuming the, the carpet in here because it was a little dirty, right? And I was laughing because uh, I teased with Christy. I said, Christy, Look, what do I do for the church? I'll sweep the floors. That's what I do for the church. I'm here vacuuming the floors. I don't care. I can vacuum as well as anyone else, right? Doesn't matter. Just because I'm in a certain position in this church doesn't mean that I can't vacuum. Doesn't mean that I can't shovel snow out there. Just because you're a Christian, just because you think you have all this, you can do other things. You can be a servant for God. You can serve the people of your community. You can serve the people of your family. You can be a blessing to those people so that the Lord will give you a blessing in return. 
A good king would never not take care of his people. So when we recognize that this is God's kingdom, that we should also recognize that he's going to take care of you and I. And the blessings of God, Deuteronomy 28, is going to flow after that. Jesus was the perfect example of how to be a servant in his own kingdom and ask for worship to come. We listen, Jesus never once complained. I dare you to, other than the turning of the, the table in the temple, and even that, I don't think he complained. He just went in and said, hey, this isn't the way it is. Never in scripture do we find Jesus complaining. He doesn't complain to the devil when he's fasting for 40 days. He doesn't complain. He does ask the Lord, may this cup pass from me in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the only time you ever hear of a negative statement from Jesus. Everything else is, I'm, I'm your servant. I'm here to serve. I'm here to do these things. Jesus washed people's feet. You understand that? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, bent down, kneeled down on the ground, and washed his disciples' feet. Now today, I don't know that I'm going to you know, we might have some smelly feet, right? But we all wear socks and shoes, right? Back then, it wasn't socks and shoes, it was sandals. When I talk about sandals, you want to talk about some toe jam going on there? There's some serious toe jam and dirt cramped up in those nails of people's feet. Sorry about that. But the truth of the matter is, it says, Jesus found a need to be a servant to his people, and so he got down and he served the disciples' feet. Why? Not because he wanted them to go, oh, look how great he is. No, he did it as an example to the disciples. He did it as an example to you and I, that even the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the greatest thing that ever came to this earth was able to become a servant to the people around him, which means that you and I are called to become a servant. So my challenge to you this, this day is this. How can you become a greater servant than you are today? Challenge yourself to let go of what you think is right and seek for what he thinks is right. Challenge yourself to swallow your pride and have a conversation with that person. Most arguments and, and trouble that we have in, in relationships today is because we're too prideful to actually swallow our pride and deal with that issue with between two people. Just think about it. If we would both become servants and we'd swallow our pride and we'd go and say, listen, I'm sorry I upset you. We talk this out. Look how different it would be. Think how different this world would be if all of us could be a servant of Jesus Christ. Think how different your life would be if you were a servant of Jesus Christ. I know in the back of some people's minds here today what they're thinking is that, but you don't understand. I don't really want to give those things up. I don't want to do that. That's okay. But I challenge you that if you would just let go of those things, God would use those blessings in such a greater way. So amazed. The more that you swallow that pride, the more that you push that down, and you become a servant for the people around you, the better it will be. You know, my wife and I, many years ago, made a commitment to each other. We were having a little difficulty in our relationship, and I said, sit down and we were talking about it, not serious about it. we weren't talking about divorce or anything like that, we were just arguing and thinking about little things we were getting tired of it 
And so I said to her, and we sat down and we were, we were talking, and I said, what, what if we try to become servants for each other? That's what Jesus called us to be, so why don't we try that? And so we started serving each other. Now, when I say this, I mean doing things for each other that we normally wouldn't have done. Washing dishes, making dinner, making the bed. I Listen, I hate making the bed. There's no reason, because I'm just going to be in it a few more hours if I make the bed, right? But my wife likes the bed made every morning. Now, she gets up first and she leaves before, I, before me. So guess what I have to do? If for me to be a servant to my wife, I have to make that bed. I hate it every morning. I still hate it to this day. But I want to become a servant for her and share Christ with her. And I know I can do that. Just think about the people in your relationship today. Your family, if we would become a servant to them by showing them Christ, how different their life and your life would be. You see this. Jesus was the perfect example of how to be a servant in his own kingdom. I can't think of a better way for us to end a sermon about being a servant in Christ's kingdom to say, Jesus came to be your servant. He came to die on that cross for you. He took the penalty and the pain and the suffering and all those things that you couldn't pay on your own cross for you. And the only thing he asks in return is for you to become part of his kingdom and to become a servant in his, in his kingdom. And now we would often say, oh yeah, but that's giving up everything. No, what we just read in Deuteronomy 28 is that we'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed in our animals that we raise for food and everything else, and blessed in finances, finance and all these things. When we follow Jesus Christ and into his kingdom and follow the example he gave as a servant, we are blessed in mighty ways. And so may I encourage you today to become that servant. By the way, if you want to see what happens when you don't obey the Lord, read the rest of Deuteronomy 28. I'll leave that as homework for all of you guys to go home and read because it's not fun. But God calls you and I to be servants. So let's be a servant. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done. Lord, we are prideful, sinful people. We put our own feelings up front. We do what we want to do. We say the things that we want to say. We're not truly the servants that you have called us to be. So today in this room and whoever's watching at home online, we're asking today, Father, to come into us and help us to become better servants of yours. To give up our ways, our will, or yours. To help us be loved by you the way that only you can love us. So Jesus, come today. Come into our hearts. Come into our minds and help us, Father. Help us to see the blessings that come of being your servants. And if there's someone here that's never given their life to you before, may today be that day where they say, Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross. I want to be part of your kingdom. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn away. If we're not following you and we're not doing to be the servant, we say, Lord, we repent. Forgive us. We turn around and face you and become a servant and take your example the way that you made an example for us how to be servants. Help us today to do that, Lord Jesus. To 
to be your servants in your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. You are such an awesome God. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship you, God. Spirit, I ask that you come and that you prick our hearts and bring 
memory and wisdom to our minds so that we can see how we can be a better servant in the kingdom of God today. Where the world around us is waiting for us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So we ask for help us to be your servants. Not only to do those things, but also to be blessed by you and your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for all that you're doing. I pray for those that need prayer, that are sick, and that are hurting. I pray that you be with them, that you guide them, that you strengthen them. May you help us this day and every day to be your servants. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you bless us as we go our ways. Help us to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Hope to see you again next week. Have a great week.